It's time to end this. Nopik, it's clobbering time. Hey, welcome back to Screen Crush, I'm Ryan Airy, and we finally, finally have our official cast for the Fantastic Four in the MCU. As rumored, it is Pedro Pascal as Reed Richards, Vanessa Kirby as Sue Storm, Joseph Quinn as Johnny Storm, aka the Human Torch, and the great Eben Moss Backrack as Ben Grimm, aka The Thing. I am so excited to talk about this. So I'm gonna run through the history of the Fantastic Four a little later. I'm gonna be joined by the great Tommy Bechtold and Colton Ogburn, the guy who's trapped eternally in our television but doesn't know, so please don't tell him. And I'm gonna get their thoughts on this. But first, I gotta run through who these actors are in the history of the Fantastic Four. Also, we're going to talk about some potential villains who could appear in this movie based on some rumors that have been floating around. Maybe it's Galactus, maybe the Silver Surfer is going to make an appearance, or maybe, dear God, maybe, finally, we're going to get Doctor Doom. Thank you all so much for watching and supporting our channel, and if you have time, please visit our merch store, ScreenCrushMerch.com, where we design all the merch ourselves. We have two brand new shirts in our merch store. We have this Wade's World t-shirt that says, can you tell me how to get to the MCU with a parody of Deadpool and Wolverine as Burton Ernie, and we have this MCU Savior shirt based on this line. I am Marvel Jesus. And you can buy tickets to our first live show at February 22nd, George Washington's birthday in Brooklyn, New York. Shopping at our merch store is the best way for you to directly support our channel. Thanks again for watching. The links are below. Now, first, I want to explain why this is such a big deal for MCU fans. Like some of you who maybe didn't read the comics only know the Fantastic Four as those heroes with three failed superhero movie franchises. Three? Yeah, man. There was a 90s Fantastic Four movie that they only made to retain the rights, and it was technically never even released. But, you know, it's on YouTube right now. And I have to tell you, at the time, like I was in junior high, when they were making that, and Marvel was actually publicizing this movie in their newsletters like Marvel Age. Fans were excited about this. Like one article even ended with the filmmaker saying, we just want to make Stan proud of us. I mean, you have to remember guys, this is back when Marvel movies were a joke. Like this is what Thor looked like when he was on TV. So when X-Men kicked off the Marvel Renaissance in 2000, a flurry of Marvel properties were suddenly greenlit by studios. And Tim Story, the director of Barbershop, directed two Fantastic Four films. Now, those aren't the worst films of that era. But they were not really good Fantastic Four movies. In particular, Doctor Doom was just kind of scaled down in scope to just be a creepy businessman instead of the scientist, sorcerer, and leader he is in the comics. I actually thought the rise of the Silver Surfer corrected a lot of the mistakes from the first one. I mean, we also have Doug Jones' Silver Surfer, and Doom actually acts a lot more like Doctor Doom. And of course, the cast of those movies was just on point. Jessica Alba, Chris Evans, Michael Chiklis, and of course, the guy who played Reed, named Ian Griffin. Yep, that's him. Now that cast, you know, did have its moments, like especially Chris Chris Evans, Johnny Storm, torturing Ben Grimm. That is straight from the comics. In fact, Johnny tortures Ben so much, it's like a habit that he can't quit. Oh, I used to have a habit like that. I used to peel socks off people's feet and chew them until they die. That's super weird, man. And I used to stress eat, and that was part of my bad oral fixation habit. But now I've replaced that bad gross habit with a positive one by using Fume. They're the sponsor of this video. Is that a vape? No, this is not a vape. It's not electronic, and it doesn't have pods filled with potentially harmful chemicals. Instead, it has these plant-based cores that are infused with natural flavors to create natural flavored air. I recently started crisp mint and it even freshens my breath. Yes, it smells very nice. Thank you. You see, Fume uses plants and behavioral science to help you trade out your negative habit for a positive one. It's perfect for a New Year's resolution if you're looking to change your life. Plus, it has adjustable airflow and is designed with these movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, also giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for calming your anxiety. They also just launched the Fume Base. This is a sleek magnetic stand to rest your fume on so you never lose track of it. Fume makes switching easy and even fun. They have thousands of five-star reviews from their more than 150,000 customers who have used Fume to change their lives. 
device and switched when other solutions just didn't work. So head to tryfume.com slash screencrush and use the code screencrush to get 10% off your journey pack today. The journey pack comes with your choice of three to six unique flavor cores and everything that you need to finally be free of your bad habit. That's tryfum.com and use the code screencrush to save an additional 10% off on your order today. Now back to Breaking Bad. So wait, what do you mean these movies didn't capture the scale of the Fantastic Four? Well, the Fantastic Four are always called Marvel's first family because they kicked off the Marvel superhero explosion of the 1960s. You see, Silver Age superhero comics, that's the era published between 1954 and around 1970, they were all very simple and very predictable. Superman was always the hero who did the right thing, and his main conflict was just to keep his identity a secret from that Snoopy Lois Lane. Batman wasn't the dark and brooding character that we know now, and the heroes, like, they just always got along. But then came the Fantastic Four. They were weird looking. They argued like a real family. One of the heroes looked like the kind of monster that Superman would have fought in his comics. I mean, Stan Lee's nickname for the group was the world's greatest comic magazine, and they weren't far off from it. I mean, it was powered by Jack Kirby's incredible imagination. These wide vistas of other worlds, dimensions. Heck, the guy even invented Wakanda. And then you add in Stan Lee's snappy dialogue into that mix, and the Fantastic Four has always been one of Marvel's flagship comics, if not always their best selling. And over the years, like, this family actually expanded. They had a son and daughter, Franklin and Valerie, and this was like decades before superheroes like Superman or Batman started to have kids. Like the whole point of comics up to that point was to be stationary, to always return viewers to the same starting point every single issue. But the Fantastic Four told stories about human characters that grew and evolved over the years. Ben Grimm hates himself because he looks like a monster and Reed hates himself for what happened to Ben. He's got a lot of guilt over that. Johnny was this immature a-hole and Sue, who is the most powerful member of the team, was the glue that held them all together. It's an engaging family dynamic that fits in perfectly with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that that 2015 Fantastic Four film completely ignored. Oh yeah, what was up with that movie? Well, writer-director Josh Trank had a vision for a Fantastic Four that were younger, more of a found family than a literal one. And he took inspiration from the Marvel Comics Ultimate Fantastic Four books, which, you know, relaunched the team for a younger audience. But personally, I don't think the Fantastic Four would ever work as a dark, brooding story. The whole point is they have dark elements, like Ben's aforementioned self-hatred, but those elements are always balanced out with this hopeful mission of peace and exploration. To be fair though, Fox butchered Josh Trank's film and he was not quiet about it on social media. And good for him. And good for him. The guy deserves another chance. So why is this new movie such a big deal? Well, as most of you know, Marvel sold off the film rights to their characters in the 1990s when they went bankrupt. And the provision in that deal was that Fox would retain the movie rights for the Fantastic Four if they always kept a Fantastic Four movie in production. So they failed to make a franchise that took off in the 2000s, so they tried again in 2015. But then in 2017, Disney bought Fox, so the rights of the Fantastic Four and X-Men return to Marvel. Now I should say though that ever since the Marvel Age of Movies launched, the movies have had a strong effect on the comic books. Sometimes this has been very direct, altering characters like Nick Fury to look like they do on the screen, you know, so Nick Fury now looks like Samuel L. Jackson in the comics instead of looking like David Hasselhoff. But they've also affected them in a more spiteful way. You see, at one point, Marvel, led by Ike Perlmutter at the time, actually canceled the Fantastic Four comic, Marvel's flagship book. And the reason they canceled it was because they didn't want to create any new characters or stories that a rival studio, Fox, could then turn into a film. The whole thing was really dumb and really bitter, and frankly, it just kind of killed a lot of creative momentum the book had. But then Dan Slott did a relaunch. The book's great now. I highly suggest
suggest you check it out. In fact, I could do a whole other video just on Fantastic Four comics that I love. The point is that ever since Disney bought Fox, we have been waiting to see how Marvel was going to bring these characters into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and finally do this franchise right. What do you mean do it right? Like with better villains and stuff? Uh, yeah, better villains. I mean, the second movie turned Galactus into a cloud. But no, what I mean is the Fantastic Four, first and foremost, are explorers. Reed is the most brilliant scientist on Earth. He's emotionally distant, but he has a kind heart. So he leads the team to explore new dimensions, new planets, all in order to better the human race. So I, I'm like, I'm shaking. I'm so excited about this. I, I never thought I would ever get excited about a Fantastic Four movie again, but these are some of my favorite, favorite characters from the comic books of all time. Doctor Doom is my favorite villain. I'm literally surrounded by Doctor Doom action figures here in the store right now. Uh, Tommy Beck told Colton Ogburn, I'm, I, we got to run through this cast and get your feelings on it. So first of all, let's start with the leader of the group. Pedro Pascal is Reed Richards, right? This one's been floated around for a while. Pedro Pascal obviously has been around for a long time, but he's just recently, you know, he was on Narcos, things like that. But now he's getting a lot of light shined on him from The Mandalorian and for uh, playing Joel in The Last of Us. I am concerned, though, that, you know, him being in this means he won't be able to be in The Last of Us season two. Tee -hee. Mm -hmm. Tommy, um, what are your thoughts on, on Pedro as Reed? I am uh, a huge Pedro fan. I think that this is a role that, you know, he's got the maturity and the depth to play the MCU's smartest man. And I, I, I think it is, I think, you know, you're going to hear me sound like a broken record here, but I think this is incredible casting. I, I am excited to have him, uh, you know, in Marvel movies for years to come is my hope. Uh, and I, I, I just feel like, you know, the the kind of gravitas he brings to Dinjar and, and like stern sternness yet warmth underneath uh, has he's we already know he can play a good father. And then, you know, you see him in interviews in real life and he does have kind of a, a silly side. And I think that Reed Richards needs to be a little bit not goofy, but like needs to have a little bit of a of a, of a soft fatherly side to him as well. So I think he can play both father archetypes well i think it's great casting oh god me too and you're right like he has kind of become uh, it's an internet thing now like the internet's daddy which is getting into a whole other corner of the internet I don't <laughs> know, but he does have that you're right that sort of like mentor role but he also has a coldness and an aloofness to him at mm -hmm. least when he plays joel and really when he plays din Djarin as well colton yeah. what do you think about this casting well, you guys are right. His range uh, stretches very far, so that's great for him, Mr. Fantastic. Oh, this guy. <laughs> this guy. Go um, home, you. Stay in that TV. I love Pedro Pascal. I, I will say, you know, I was hoping it would be John Krasinski. I, I love John Krasinski. I thought he was great in Multiverse of Madness. I would have been very happy to see him play Mr. Fantastic. But if it's not going to be him, yeah, Pedro Pascal, great choice. Um, I'm excited to see what he can bring to the MCU. And... You know, I second everything Tommy said. You know, and seriously, he, he does have a really good range. And, you know, Reed, he's a very complex character. And I, I think Pedro Pascal has what it takes, you know, to hit every nail on the head with what makes Reed, you know, Reed. And he's a huge character. I mean, very important character in the comics. Oh, my God. Uh, especially, a very important character for Secret Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, especially with everything going on right now. So, I mean, th this, you know, we could be looking at our next Tony Stark. I don't know. I, maybe. You know, we, we, uh, we've we been talking about how Deadpool could be fulfill that main character role. But, boy, what an exciting week for Marvel, you know, getting to announce all this. So, you know, Reed is the brains of the operation. I've always said that Sue is the heart. Sue Storm, um, played by 
Vanessa Kirby, who has been in The Crown. She was in Mission Impossible Fallout. She uh, was great in Napoleon she, as, as Josephine. Um, she's somebody, Sue is the character who really has to bring Reed back to Earth, right? Now, Vanessa Kirby, and by the way, I know they didn't do this on purpose, but Jack Kirby, like Jack Kirby's the guy who created the Fantastic Four, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Stan Lee's involvement to whatever level you want to believe, but if it weren't for Jack Kirby, the character wouldn't exist. Sue is named after Jack Kirby's daughter. Ben Grimm is named after Jack Kirby's father. Jack Kirby based Ben Grimm on himself. So it's, it's very fortuitous that she shares that same surname. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on Vanessa Kirby and like what you think she can mean or what this can mean for like an actual married couple of superheroes in the MCU? I, I'm a huge fan of hers. I think she's uh, kind of like one of those, like has just the stunning presence to her when she's on screen where you're like, you can't really, like you kind of can't help but just pay attention to her for the most part. Even those Mission Impossible nightclub scenes where like she's like holding court in the lounge mm -hmm. area. I'm thinking back to that and it's, you know, uh, not to steal Colton's thunder, I don't think she's going to be invisible in this role. I think she's going to make a... Oh, uh, <laughs> guys, I, I had to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I had to. Just because we're talking to. about the MCU's daddy doesn't mean we got to be making daddy jokes. <laughs> so another bit of casting here, and again, these are all the people who were rumored, right? And when I first heard this rumored cast, I thought, oh my God, please be true. Um, and there were rumors for a while that it was going to be like Adam Driver and Margot Robbie, who probably priced themselves out of the role. And Adam Driver was probably reluctant to step into another franchise, yeah. as with Margot Robbie. She can do whatever she wants right now, right? But this other guy is a real up-and-comer, Joseph Quinn, right? Yes. So Joseph Quinn, if you see a picture of him, you may not recognize him uh, without the wig, but he was Eddie on Stranger Things, the big breakout uh, leader of the Hellfire Club. So very pumped about that. And this is a character of the Human Torch who among other things, is extremely good friends with Spider-Man, right? He is, uh, they have kind of a love-hate relationship. They always have this thing where they meet at the Statue of Liberty, like that's their spot if they need to talk to each other. And they're both teenagers, so they have that in common. But Johnny's always like been charmed and is wealthy and you know part of this globe-trotting group of celebrities. And you know, Peter Parker's the guy who has to make everybody forget his name to save the universe. Colton, what do you think about Joseph Quinn in here as Johnny Storm? My wife is obsessed with Joseph Quinn. It's Joseph Quinn 24-7, so I know that I'm going to be hearing <laughs> that later tonight. Um, he's a very talented actor, up and coming. You know, he, he's in the spotlight right now. Uh, I think the same is true uh, for Pedro Pascal. You know, he, he's having his, you know, moment in the sun right now. Uh, I think all of these actors are going to be a phenomenal cast. Also, Kirby, I, I just wanted to say, I think she's a phenomenal choice uh, for Sue Storm as well. Tommy, how about you? What do you think Joseph Quinn's going to bring to this part that maybe Chris Evans couldn't bring to it, you know, or didn't bring well, to it? I think that's a great that's a great point, and I think uh, you know a great question. Uh, uh, as we're you know talking about uh, Marvel makes stars of sometimes the characters make these actors become superstars, right? Like I think that Joseph Quinn is, you know, he's. He's got a baby face, but he's mature. He's, I think he's almost 30 years old, which is not uncommon for a 30-year-old to play a 20-year-old in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Let's be mm -hmm. honest. I, 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 I once played an 18-year-old when I was 32, not to brag. <laughs> but uh, uh, but, uh, the, but I think like I think that guy is poised to be a movie star. And I think this is going to be one of those defining roles that teenage kids, 13-year-old kids that go to the movie are going to want to be Johnny Storm. 
They're going to mm-hmm. want to be Johnny Storm for Halloween. They're going to sell a ton of Johnny Storm merchandise. They're going to sell a ton of Fantastic Four merchandise because Pedro has such a huge following in the kind of nerd collective world anyway already that this is just going to, you know, both of them are going into the stratosphere. I think jo- Joseph Quinn proved he can he could work in an ensemble and stand out, right? He stood out mm-hmm. in a show that is built on kind of star making. Think of all the people that have come uh, you know, from Stranger Things and, you know, just the weird nature of uh, strikes and pandemics have kind of fragmented the Stranger Things production schedule and maybe make it feel like those people aren't working as much. But it's like, I mean, you know, certainly uh, Millie Bobby Brown is a bona fide star. And, and David, Harbour, David Harbour, who had been acting yeah. for years. Finn Wolford, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, they're superstars now. So yeah. Joseph Quinn knows how he's like, you know, much like his uh, favorite band Metallica. He knows how to be part of an ensemble. And a for, and a foursome at that. So uh, I'm I'm bullish. I think that casting is fire. Me too. Uh, like and oh god, I'm, no, <laughs> no. I just want to add. We I'm never going to be. Never I'm never the two of you get together again. This is the worst day of my life. I'm never coming back, am I? <laughs> You're not invited. You're not invited, and except for our one, Deadpool video, which we'll do. With all right, you. great, great, great. One more thing. He, we've also seen him play a rebel with a heart, which is exactly what Johnny Storm yep. is. Uh, very so, true. Yeah, very Eddie true. and Johnny, very similar. Yeah. Now, um, the member of this cast that I am actually most excited about. Sometimes there's actors who you'll see them in small parts and character roles, uh, and they never get past that point. And they're just people who are always in an ensemble and they're always great. You can Google famous character actors and you'll see a huge list of people. This, the guy playing Ben Grimm is one of them, right? Eben Moss Backrack. Now I, I might be pronouncing his last name wrong. If I am, I'm very sorry, Eben. This guy um, had such a memorable role in Andor. He played the guy who was a member of the rebels who who uh, robbed Aldani, the, the Imperial garrison Aldani. But he also was a rogue, right? And he gave that tremendous speech, second best speech in Andor, a tremendous speech where he talked about his brother, how he ran an orchard. And he, he said, I think the line of that show, which is the tree remembers, but the ax forgets. And just in a few scenes, he was able to really weigh that character with like hidden backstory, you know, like, and I think that's when Star Wars works at its best when you get a hint of a backstory without necessarily exploring like the intricacies of the banking clan. He also probably more famously uh, plays cousin on the bear. If you haven't seen the bear, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but you should really watch the show. I will say that he starts off the show very gruff, very much like he has this hard, crusty shell like Ben Grimm. And through the course of the series, he grows, he adapts, he changes. And when we talk about the Fantastic Four, I've also got a Ben Grimm action figure around here too. When we talk about the Fantastic Four, it does not work without the thing, right? Everybody else got to be good looking, super heroic, celebrities. He became a monster. He is the reminder of Reed's failure. He is somebody who had feelings for Sue Storm at one point. Johnny relentlessly teases him so he doesn't take himself too seriously. He gets relentlessly teased by his old gang on Yancey Street, which was also based on Jack Kirby's street gang that he was in when he was a kid. So I, the, the movie does not work without the proper Ben Grimm. And I, I, my God, cannot think of a better person for this role. I am so excited about it. Tommy, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think the bear analogy is 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 fantastic, or the bear comparison. That character, like you said, starts off hard and 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 and, and kind of uh, impenetrable, for lack of a better word. And then you find out through 
life experiences with that character. He has a daughter. He lost the love of his life by being a schmuck. So it's like, you know, there's there's all these things that lead to him, a softer side of him that you have to discover that despite the hard exterior, there is this, this like, loving, uh, caring person inside. And that, at the essence, is what makes the thing... The best scenes with the thing in live action are, are, the, are when he shows vulnerability and not just, you know, annoyance at Johnny for making fun of him. You know, I like right, when, right. When, when he when he still, you know, hangs on to the humanity and, and that these are his friends and his family that he cares about and saves the day, you know, and eventually is able to find love. And, uh, you know, I think he is uh, I think I think this actor, uh, Eben Massa. Uh, Bachrach, Bachrach, Bachrach. Bach, Bach, I'm going with Bachrach. Bachrach, I like that. Uh, Humiliating. I, think, I should have found out how to pronounce it before. Please I, you know point what? out my flaws in the comments. It's only my job uh, that I'm failing at here. So, yeah. but, but I think I, I think he's fabulous, and I think he's going to bring uh, a, a ton of like you know kind of depth and heart to this to this character that we may not have even come close to seeing in a previous iteration. So. And, I should point out, Colton, just before I ask you your thoughts on this, I should point out that, you know, in the, when the Fantastic Four came out in 1960, Ben Grimm had a supervillain origin story, right? Mm. The stories that were put out at that time, these pulp stories, it would always be a person who was disfigured and became a monster, and then that monster would become the baddie that the good-looking, square-jawed hero would fight. So one of the most innovative things that Jack Kirby came up with was the idea that a monster would be the hero, that a monster could appear gruff, but actually be the most tender-hearted person in the comic. Oh, God, I'm so excited. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm starting to get Vaclint just thinking about it. Yeah. Colton, what are your thoughts on this casting? Uh, you and Tommy have already said, you know, everything that was on my mind, so uh, I'll keep it short. I, I think it rocks. It's so good. Now, I do want to talk about... Oh, no! You got me again! I, you literally did. I wasn't even, like, <laughs> pretending. Oh, this is the best. This is the best recording of my life. <laughs> so now I want to talk about the rumored villains of this movie and who the casting might be for that. Tommy Bechtold uh, on Guardians of the Galaxy, also upcoming charity auction to benefit cancer research in Rochester, New York. His Twitter and Colton's are going to be linked below. So thanks, Tommy and Colton. You can find all their social links below. So they did release a few details about this movie. We have this promotional art, which shows the Fantastic Four along with Herbie. Now, Herbie is a robot that was added to a Fantastic Four animated series when basically the rights to Johnny Storm were tied up by a different studio. Herbie was also created by Jack Kirby, by the way. We also see on the wall a portrait of Eva Moss Backrack as astronaut Ben Grimm hanging up on the wall. So some details are releasing that looks like the movie is going to be set in the year 1963. Now, this is actually the same pitch that Peyton Reed, who directed the Ant-Man trilogy, pitched to Marvel years ago, that the Fantastic Four were in the 1960s originally, they got on a space rocket, they went out into space, and they came back in the modern day. So, I'm wondering, if this movie is set in 1963, it could mean one of two things. One, that it's just a fun period piece that maybe takes place in an alternate universe. In that case, it'd be really fun to see how a 1960s setting reacts to superheroes. In fact, we talked about this as a possible pitch in our Fantastic Four in the MCU video where we said that they should travel the multiverse and go to a different dimension where it's set in the 1960s. Also, I think it'd be really fun to see people in the MCU be amazed at superpowers again. I mean, powers have become so commonplace that when I watched Madam Web, I was actually surprised to see people reacting to a guy climbing on walls. So that would be really cool. Another thing they might do is the beginning of the movie might be set in the 
1970s with the Fantastic Four boarding a rocket, and then they could travel to the modern day and be fish out of water, which was Peyton Reed's original pitch. But they might also just have them be set in the multiverse. It looks like the X-Men are going to be brought into the MCU kind of piecemeal, like they're from another universe like we saw in the Deadpool trailer, and then they get ported over into the MCU, maybe for Avengers versus X-Men. And we might see the Fantastic Four do the same thing. I mean, after all, we've already seen one version of Reed Richards existing in the multiverse with John Krasinski in Multiverse of Madness. And also in the comics, there is a gathering called the Council of Reed, which are different multiversal variations of Reed who basically try to govern the multiverse together. Either way, I think characters from the 1960s or a movie set in the 1960s in the multiverse is going to be a lot of fun. One thing we do know is that there's no way the Fantastic Four were in the MCU working as public superheroes in the 1960s because, as far as people in the MCU know, Iron Man was the first hero in 2008 and somebody would have mentioned a public gathering of superheroes in the 60s by now in the MCU. Now, we didn't get news about the confirmed villains in this movie, but there are a few rumors being thrown around. One, of course, is always Doctor Doom. But in my opinion, I hope Doctor Doom is not the main villain of this film because, well, Doctor Doom's been in every Fantastic Four movie and he can get overused. Kind of like how Magneto suddenly had to be in every single X-Men movie. Sometimes, you know, less is more. We did do a video that I'm really proud of about how we speculated that Doctor Doom could slowly be introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we have a video where we speculated how Reed Richards could have been in the MCU the entire time. Both videos are a lot of fun. Be sure to check them out. So the rumor associated with the villain of this is that they approached Javier Bardem to play Galactus, but his schedule was too busy. Now, Galactus, if you don't know, in the comics is a giant cosmic entity who goes around eating planets, but he can't find the planets on his own. So he has the Silver Surfer, another great character created by Jack Kirby. And the Silver Surfer goes around, finds planets that are suitable, and then just summons Galactus to that world. Now, in Kirby's original intention, the Silver Surfer was not ever a person. It was a being of pure energy that Galactus created simply to serve him. However, after Silver Surfer arrives on Earth and meets Sue Storm of the Fantastic Four, his heart kind of melts away, he realizes these people are worth saving, and he turns on his creator, Galactus. The rumor is that Anna Taylor-Joy, who apparently gets to be in everything, has been approached to be the Silver Surfer. Now, actually, I think that's really good casting. You know, she has this kind of a quiet presence. I think she would actually be a very good Silver Surfer. And, guys, Silver Surfer is one of the best characters in Marvel Comics. Like, totally a character that should go off and headline their own cosmic films, along with Adam Warlock. And In fact, maybe the Silver Surfer movie could be how we finally get a follow-up to that Eternal sequel tease, because we know we're never going to get an Eternal sequel. So, those are the rumored villains, but the Fantastic Four has one of the best, most expansive rogue galleries in Marvel Comics. So, do me a favor. Let me know which Fantastic Four villains you think they should have down in the comments below, and who you think should play them. Should Killian Murphy play Doctor Doom? Sounds pretty good to me. I want to give a shout-out to Colton and Tommy for joining me. Their links are below. And guys, if it's your first time here at the channel, please subscribe and smash that bell for alerts. For Screen Crush, I'm Ryan Airy.